On this week's episode, we are interviewing the owner of the butcher shop out of Pensacola, Florida. This is the one and only place we get our competition briskets. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turn Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We have got a gentleman on the line with us that is a fellow meat cutter. And let me just say, runs a very nice, nice butcher shop. That's actually the name of it. Everybody, say hello to Kevin. David, I appreciate you having us on. Kevin, I appreciate that a whole bunch. Tell us a little bit about what the butcher shop is or the history of it. Sure. Um, we're a local meat market in, in Pensacola, Florida. We've been in operation for about 14 years. Um, and for the first probably nine or 10 years, it was a hundred percent retail oriented. Um, we did get into the competition meat business, uh, probably four or five years ago. And, and that's added another kind of layer to our business, but our, our core business is definitely uh retail meat market. We do a little, um, wild game processing during the season, but, but there again, that's just another, another level. Our core business is retail uh protein sales okay how long do how long ago did it get started everything uh, I, yeah about 14 years ago um, oh uh, that's right yeah you said that um how, how did you get into the meat business were you a meat person already did you work in a meat market or did you grow up in it sure um you know kind of funny story i've been in the grocery business uh pretty much all my life um but never on the meat side. Um, I worked in grocery stores uh, when I was younger, and then when I got out of college, I was a buyer category manager for a regional chain. I was actually a dairy buyer. And then I went to uh, New England. I was a senior buyer at a, at a wholesaler and had always been in the business, but never on the meat side. And um, about 14 years ago, decided that I wanted to kind of get into business for myself. I'd seen the business from a lot of different sides and uh, somehow got this crazy idea that I would buy this existing meat market and uh, somehow convinced my wife that that was a good thing to do. And, uh, <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. So you lived in Florida, moved to new England and then back to Florida. Yeah. I, um, uh, I, I'm originally from North Carolina, but I've lived in, in Florida, Northwest Florida, most of my adult life. Um, when I got out of college, I was in Birmingham for about seven years and then took a job in New England and then just, uh, you know, kind of missed home and uh, had some, some pulls here and moved back to Northwest Florida um, and, and worked for two brothers that had some grocery stores and liquor stores before I bought my own business. So, yeah. you know, Northwest Florida is kind of home, kind of my adult home. Yeah. I worked a little bit up in New England myself. I worked for a wholesale club also is one Sam's Clubs. When I went okay. to work for them, they had 15 meat markets in the company. And that was back 91, I think it was. And they transferred me up to New England, actually New Hampshire first. And I opened up several clubs in New Hampshire and Boston and... Then ended up going that BJ, down to that BJ's? say what was it BJ's wholesale? 
No, it was Sam's Club. It was Sam's. Oh, it was Sam's Club. Okay. Yeah, B- BJ's was there, and this was before Sam's bought out Pace Clubs. I was with, some, I with them when they bought out the Pace Club. Well, we probably crossed paths at some point. I was I was there about that same time frame. Was you with uh-huh. BJ's or Pace? No, no, I was with uh, CNS Wholesale. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I grand opened the club there in Seabrook and kind of turned the world upside down there with the way I talk and um, visited <laughs> with people. Um, I was a big intercom person. I'd get on the intercom and chat and tell people, hey, come on back to the meat market. And right. I'd say, grab yourself a buggy and come back. And I'd have more people go, what is a buggy? <laughs> I, I got the same reaction. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so are you a processing plant or do you just do, I mean, or do you do swinging beef or do you do re, uh, box beef? We're doing box beef and, and it's, um, you know, I guess I kind of got into it. Um, the decision I made to start the business uh, probably wouldn't have been nearly as good of a decision 20 years ago. So we're all box beef, but we cut everything in house. We make about 10 types of fresh sausage. Um, it, it's all retail-oriented for, you know, the, the the guy or the lady just coming in to buy for the week or for, for tonight's dinner. We do some processing, uh, wild game processing, kind of after hours during the season, but primarily just, um, you know, retail, um, retail market sales. We do a little and, bit of wholesale to restaurants, but not a lot. Okay. And – when I was scrolling through your um, social media world and your website and stuff, it looked like you have a self-service counter. Do you have a full-service counter, too? You know, we don't. Um, it's kind of a weird dynamic. Um, I made the decision when we started that, um, and fortunately, it, it, it's paid off. But my problem with the um, full-service counter is you have to pay a man to be there to get full benefit out of it. And I felt like with our small footprint of a, of a store, as long as we as meat cutters were out on the floor and interacting with the customer, we could give that full service um, effect without paying somebody to stand there for when the customer came up. You know, keep our costs down, keep our retails down, and still have that full service feel. We probably average on a Saturday we probably average 30 to 40 special cuts on a Saturday um, out of a self-service operation. Um, so it's kind of a weird dynamic, but, you know, as long as our guys are doing what they're supposed to, they still have that full-service feel without those added costs. I like that. That that kind of brings two worlds together. Um, I'm What I like about it mostly is the way you talked about the meat cutter being out on the floor. Every meat case I ever had, I always wanted my cutting table facing a front window just yep, so I could yep. see them, uh, chat with them, or wave at them. I didn't want them to think I was a robot and just back there working. Sure. And that's exactly how our setup is. We've got windows on the cutting room and the, and the block faces the sales floor. And, um, you know, like I tell our guys, um, no offense to our other clerks, but if you're wearing a white coat, the customer immediately 
associate you with being the expert. So who better to be on the sales floor interacting with the customer than the guy they think's the expert? That's so that's true. That is true. Yeah. So what styles of meat do you cook? cook? Good gosh. What kind of meats do you cut? I mean, you carry beef and you carry pork. Sure. But what other yeah. types of protein? Sure. Well, we're um we'll, we're full service. Full service of beef, pork, poultry. Um, we carry a lot of wild game um, from, you know, venison to ostrich to, you know, alligator and elk and bison. Our, our real point of difference is we're about 96% uh, meat distribution. So we've got to differentiate ourselves from everybody. So we carry multiple grades, multiple uh, breeds of pork. So like at beef, we carry an upper two-thirds choice is our price uh, uh, beef. We go to market, you know, against the chains with it. And then we carry prime and dry age and Australian Wagyu. And we actually have a, a little bit of Japanese Wagyu most of the time. And then, you know, we'll carry three or four different breeds of pork. Um, because while we sell a little bit of produce and we sell a little bit of, you know, charcoal, our, our bread and butter is definitely meat. So for the mix, if I lived there in Florida and I was like, I want to go check this place out, I can go in, I can get the better cuts of produce. I'm not going to be finding star fruit, but I'm going to have nice lettuce, right. um, um, heirloom tomatoes or something, and, and maybe even baked potatoes, something to still go with a meat meal. Yeah, you'll, you'll have the basics. Um, again, we don't put a huge... Uh, effort on it um but we, we're buying local from a local um produce company um you know we don't even sell I, I don't sell milk bread or eggs it's just not you know that that space is too valuable to me on the protein side and um you know fortunately our, our approaches work that you know we're kind of the protein destination and you know i know that what you know when I got into the business, I, I said this, and this is how I sold my wife on it. I said, when you talk about what you're going to have for dinner, nobody says they're having asparagus and corn for dinner. They say they're having steak or roast or pork chops or whatever. So um, we, we kind of let the chains have the produce and have the grocery, and we just want to make sure that we have that center of the plate covered. But if you need some produce to go along with it, we have a little offering, sure. Do you offer any catering with this or maybe someone that says, I've got 15 family members coming over. You surely you take call-in orders, don't you, for like good steaks oh, I, or something? A absolutely. Now, we're not doing any cooked product currently, okay. um, but we do, um, you know, we have a non-denominational men's group that meets once a month and they um, have a steak dinner as part of their um, you know, event. And so once a month, they'll get anywhere from 300 to 500 steaks from us. Um, you know, we'll, we'll partner with a couple of different companies at Thanksgiving and, you know, they'll order, you know, three, four, 500 hams. So we don't have any limits in terms of what our production can handle. Um, but it's pretty much on the fresh side. We haven't ventured out into the cook product or catering side at this point. How many meat cutters do you roll with, and 
um, what days are you open? We're open seven days a week, um, eight to seven every day, but Sunday and nine to six on Sunday. And, you know, we're in operation every day, but Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. Um, and we typically have four meat cutters on, on the payroll. Okay. I've seen low boy counters. Do you have, run a triple decker counters too, or are they just all low counters? Um, the, the beef is in the old fashioned coffin cases. And okay. then the uh, chicken and chicken and pork is in a in a three deck multi deck case. Okay. Speaking of beef, what brand? You said the upper two thirds is your yep. basis that you want to challenge or go to go to battle sure. with for the local stores. Is there a particular brand that y'all run with that you've been able to hang your hat beside that you're proud of? There is um, Chef's Exclusive. It's uh, one of Swiss upper two thirds choice. Um, it comes out of a Greenleaf, Colorado plant. And, um, you know, I've looked at all of them. Um, and no offense to any of the other ones, but I've just found over the years that it's the most consistent in terms of uh, marble and, and trim spec. And, and we've probably been uh, chefs exclusive on, on our price beef probably for the last seven years. Um, and any time I've looked at other brands, um, I've just not not seen something that had the consistency of this. It's, you know, not really, even for Swift, it's not their most well-known or their biggest push up or two thirds, but I've just found, um, I, I just found this, it's worked the best for us. What I like about that is you've stuck with one and you've got your margin set. You're buying, obviously sure. it's coming out of one establishment plant. So you know what the zero by ones or the two by twos are going to be. You can set your cutting sure. sheets exactly what that's going to be. And you're going to know within three to 4% of your margins just because of that. You're not bouncing all around or buying the best price on a ribeye or a short line or anything like that. Now I, I, I tell you in, in tenderloins, um, greater Omaha prime, um, and, and their, their choice tenderloins, their trim specs are just so much better than any, anyone. And, and we're loyal to that. And it's amazing. You bring up a phenomenal point. It's amazing when, for some reason, we can't get that specific one. If we have to go to an alternative, it really throws a monkey wrench because, of, you know, the trim is 20% more, 25% more. And it just, it just kills me, to your point, when we have everything set, and then we have a little hiccup in terms of distribution because, wait a minute, we you know this is what we planned everything off of, and we know what to expect. So that's a great point you bring up. Yeah. So you all buying Pismo loins, or are you buying uh, butt tenders? We are. No, we're, well, we buy we buy some butt tenders for the shelf, but all of the um, cut steaks we buy Pismo in in that upper two thirds choice. Um, prime or, or in the Australian wagon. Yeah. Okay. What, what, what types of pork do you carry? Um, we carry commodity pork. Typically it's either, uh, it's mainly prairie fresh, all natural, or there's a smaller Illinois producer, uh, Rantal that, that we really like. And that's our commodity pork. And then we carry a pretty full line of Allegiance Duroc and Compart Duroc. We typically have Berkshire in a um, pork chop 
in a bone-in loin and in a, in a pork butt. This is a question that has always baffled me. When I was actually getting out of retail, boneless pork was almost completely taken over the meat cases. Very seldom did you ever have anybody buying um, the full pork loins and making quarter loins and then center cuts or rib chops or anything. Are y'all still doing that or are you mostly going boneless? No, we're still doing that. And I tell you, our number one pork item is um, a, a chime-off 11-bone compact rock that we just cut rib chops out of. And we sell more of those than any of the, the commodity assorted and center cut combined. Um, it's, by far, it's by far number one item. So is it basically rib chops? Is that what is that the section you're talking about? It is on the comp part because that's the particular um, spec okay. that we're buying. Um, you know, we, we sell a, a lot of the other ones in the commodity, but in the comp part, we put all our focus in the rib chop, um, and you know, it just has worked out really, really well. Yeah, we still sell a lot of boneless, but not nearly as much as that comp part pork chop. Well. What, we, what I've always told folks is the more times that us butchers have got to touch it, we got to go up and nickel on it. And so, so don't blame us for that. That's just what it is. <laughs> uh, well, see, chicken. I, I had chicken. Go ahead. Sure. No, go ahead. Um, you know, we have a little different approach on that whole because I'm the owner and I'm hands on. I have this old saying with the customers that. I really don't, you know, I'm going to pay my guys the same whether they cut that or not. So we typically don't really put an upcharge on a labor-intensive product. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Because so, to me, my labor's fixed. Um, you know, they're going to get paid whether they cut it or not. So they might as well cut it. I get a little bit more leverage out of it. Yeah. <laughs> the, and a return customer. Ultimately, that's what it's right. about. Sure. Um. Poultry items. Uh, you carry a full variety of chicken products. Sure. You cutting ice pack um, chickens, or you doing uh, tray pack? Um, we're we're buying in the whole, um, you know, the whole box, and then we're training it in house. Uh, okay. But it's all young young birds, small chickens. Uh, you know, our our old birds are you know, two and a third to two and three quarter, and most of them average about two and a half pounds. Um, you know, you get normally, you know, three boneless breasts at about a pound. You know, we're buying about a five-ounce um, boneless, skinless. So, you know, much different sizing and quality um, than you see at a traditional, you know, grocery store. Um, and quite frankly, we, we miss a sale every now and then when – Somebody wants a three and a half, four pound, you know, whole bird. I'm, I'm just not going to carry it. The quality's just not there. Um, yeah. Do you carry any turkey products? Uh, carry some really, really nice um, farm-raised turkeys for the holidays out of uh, out of North Carolina, and we carry some turkey day in and day out. I tell you, our biggest item lately has been a boneless. You know, a 10 to 12 pound boneless turkey breast that um, our mutual friend Malcolm Reed uh, did a video on recently. And, oh, and yeah, that's been seen that. oh, just unbelievable. Um, but, but yeah, we mainly fresh turkeys for, for Thanksgiving, uh, but we carry some 
uh, some turkey, you, you know, through day in and day out. Yeah. So do you carry lamb or goat or anything? We do. We carry lamb and goat and, you know, all that oxtail. Um, we carry um, both domestic and imported lamb. Um, typically the goat, you know, is a six-way goat that we cut into cubes. But, you know, we order whole lambs, whole goats, obviously whole pigs um, for, you know, for pig roast or a lamb roast. And, um, you know, it's weird with, with, with those not a little less traditional items. You know, what we find is people that, that are looking for them or are looking for the better quality stuff. You know, years ago, it, it was all, you know, lamb shank and lamb shoulder, where now everybody wants the, the French racks and the, the boneless, you know, BRT legs. Um, yeah, when I was there with all that, that's that was mostly the lamb we cut. We did that, sure. was, and we only bought New Zealand lamb. We never bought American lamb very much. It was mostly New Zealand. You carry any veal? We do. We carry, um, you know, obviously ground veal and and uh, veal rib chops that we cut out of the loin. Um, we sell a lot of, um, you know, thin sliced veal for, you know, cutlets and. Um, you know, of course, Asabuka is a, a big item in deal for us. Yeah. Well, it sounds like everything that I would think would be in a, for what I call a standalone, independently owned meat market, you guys are doing. If trying to picture this for all the listeners, you've got meat cases around the shelves, down through the aisles. Do you roll, and a little bit of produce, and you said charcoal and spices we know of. Sure. Uh, do you have any frozen counters, or is it just all fresh? I have some frozen doors. I've got, um, I think there's 10 frozen stand upright doors, kind of like, you know, you'd liken it to, you know, an ice cream case in a, in a traditional grocery store. And in there, we carry, you know, just a wide assortment of stuff. Our, our wild game, sometimes it's fresh, sometimes it's frozen. Um, most of the wild game is, is in those doors. Um, from time to time, we'll get it in fresh, we'll keep some of it fresh, and then the, you know the rest will transition to the frozen doors. Um, so all of the wild game, uh, a lot of the wild game is in those doors. And then just an assortment of same thing with lamb. Around the holidays, we, we'll have it fresh day in and day out. It's going to be frozen in those doors. You know, beef bones, um, uh, oxtail, goat, all that kind of stuff's going to be in there. Um, you know, a, a big trend for us, um, and I don't know how maybe it's, we've been doing it for probably about 12 years, is people that feed their dogs um, a raw diet chicken necks, chicken backs. You know, we probably sell 400 pounds of chicken necks a week to people that feed them to their dogs as a raw diet. Um, so, so, you know, some of the offalls, you know, uh, liver and gizzards and heart, that's all sold frozen in those doors. But really not what you would think traditional frozen food. You know, I don't sell frozen vegetables or french fries or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I was curious what um, your layout was like. Do you do any sure. ready-to-eat pro product, um, pre-marinated or, or skewered up you know, or anything like that? 
Yeah, we do some kebabs and we do we do some value added. Probably our biggest two value added items are um, you know, hamburgers with, you know, bacon cheddar, bacon jalapeno. Um, we do those we offer those both in the regular ground chuck and then in, in our wagyu trim. Um, and then we we sell a lot of st- the fresh mu- uh, the fresh sausage we make. We stuff mushrooms with those. So those are our two biggest um, value-added items. My son always gets, Jordan always gets on to me because he wants to sell pre-marinated stuff. The, you know, the trend on that is just through the roof. But I, I haven't yet because as a consumer, when I see it, I immediately think the product's old. And yeah. so sometimes I'm my own, own worst enemy. I, I don't trip. disagree. And coming from the meat industry, <laughs> but I, I exactly know what you're saying. Um, right. Are y'all a member of the American Meat Association or anything? You know, we're not. We we could do a better job of um, networking. You know, even in the barbecue world, we just stay so busy in the shop. And, and you know, my son and I are both so hands-on that we just don't, we just don't get out like we should. Um, and, and hopefully some of that will start changing. But at this point, we're not members of any, you know, national or regional associations, unfortunately. And the only reason I ask that was I know they've got a lot of complimentary programs that will assist with the ready-to-serve, ready-to-eat, ready-to-cook programs, which would be the marinating things. That's the only reason. You said Jordan was talking about or, or would love to look at it. That's all the reason I brought that up. Yeah. Sure. And and he tells me all the time, you know, we have a core business. Fortunately, we're still on a growth plane. But, you know, he says all the time, Dad, we've got, you know, trust with these customers. You know, they trust us implicitly. They're not going to think it's old. I said, I know it's just my old school, old dog mentality that's got to change. You know? Yep. How how did you get into the barbecue cooking i'm sorry selling sure um you know fortunately when we started the retail shop um after about two years we added um the australian wagyu as a as another tier as our top tier um so we were carrying um ribeyes and strips and tenderloins and we'd buy a case of briskets here and there. And um, we there was a guy, coincidentally, he lived in my neighborhood, but I didn't know him through through the neighborhood. And he was in the military. He was a barbecue cook. And he came in one day and he said, hey, you know, I cook competitive barbecue and I'd be interested in these briskets. And I said, okay, great. You know, I'd buy a case of briskets and, you know, I'd hope I'd sell half of them to, you know, the retail guys. So he would buy them. He bought a couple, and um, he transit. He got orders over to Hawaii, and fortunately, um, Travis Millinder with Boogaloo out of Crawfordville, Florida, started buying briskets from us, and he was our only um, barbecue customer for two years. And we'd <laughs> ship him seven, seven, eight briskets, ten briskets a year, whatever he was, uh, whatever he was cooking. And uh, we'd have a couple guys come over from Alabama and buy them from time to time. And, you know, it was it was probably, you know, a 
loss venture for us because I buy a couple cases and I might sell one brisket out of it. Ooh. And um, then then the A9s hit and Travis called me and said, hey, look, you know, we were buying a three to five, I think. He called me and said, hey, look, um, a buddy of mine's getting these A9s. Um, can you get them? And I said, I'm sure I can get them, but I think they'll be really expensive because normally in the primals, every time you went up a score, it's about a $10 uh, increase in retail, you know, from a four score ribeye to a seven score ribeye is $25, $30 difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and we checked on it. And, and fortunately the briskets weren't substantially higher. They were only about $2 more a pound. And so we, we started buying, you know, a couple cases and we were shipping to Travis for, you know, a couple years and, uh, word of mouth, and we picked up another customer and another customer, and before we know it, we had some real demand. And fortunately, we were able to leverage our um, Wagyu business with the distributor, with the import source, to get more cases. Um, and, you know, before we knew it, we had a, you know, we, we approached it much like we do retail, and, you know, service being first, and we said, okay, now how can we differentiate ourselves from everybody else that sells brisket um you know we've just got to hand pick them and we've got to make sure that we take care of their needs better than anybody else that's going to be our point of difference and it kind of just built from there and um you know now if you told me three four years ago we we, we'd have the brisket business or the compart drop business we have at shipping i'd say there's no way you know fortunately the stars aligned and we were able to hold up our end of the bargain and um, it's worked out well for us. Yeah. I bet that opened up a whole new um, avenue of how to buy. I mean, you got to now look at the styrofoam, the boxes, the gel packs. Golly, that just, it's more than just putting a piece of meat in a box and throwing it in the mail. It is. You know, we buy, we buy ice packs by the pallets. Um, we buy coolers by the truckload. Um, you know, we now buy, you know, for the first eight or nine years, we were buying the Wagyu uh, through, you know, a distributor, through a wholesaler. And now we buy direct from the import source, you know, two to three times a month. Um, it's helped, our, you know, it's helped our efficiencies. Um, we carry a lot more inventory than we used to, but um, it, it's changed dramatically in terms of, you know, that piece of the business. You know, I go into the walk-in freezer that the day we opened, I said, man, we'll never fill this up. And, you know, (laughs) I walk in there and I've got two pallets of uh, 24-ounce ice packs in there. (laughs) (laughs) So explain to everyone, let's start with the American grading scale on beef. I'll let you explain it, and then we're going to step up from there. But just explain to everyone. Sure. So you have... um, you have economy beef, which really isn't, um, in, in my opinion, really um, human consumption on an everyday basis. Then, then you have what's called no roll, um, and, and that's inspected. It's definitely inspected, but it's not graded. Um, and then from there, you have select. Um, you may have some, you know, Angus select that people perceive to be a little, a tier, you know, above that. And then you have choice, and, and then you have um, certified or upper two-thirds choice. And then from there, you go to prime, 
Um, and, you know, historically, that's thought to be the, the highest grade domestically, USDA prime. Um, you may have some, you know, scale differences within prime, but typically that, that's where it stops um, from a domestic product. And, and then, of course, now you have some domestic Wagyu um, that based on the, the score of that um, could be, you know, a little lower than prime at prime, and then obviously, you know, better than prime in, in your better um, domestic Wagyu. Explain what the Japanese scale is, please. Um, so the Japanese typically is going to go one to five, um, you know, with the A5 being, um, being the highest, um, you know, full blood, full bread, and then that, that marble score. Um, at that top tier that, you know, if you looked at it, if, if you're not a connoisseur and you just look at it, you say it's 95% fat. Um, yes. Yeah, so you're, so to clarify to everyone, the domestic prime is, I'm going to say a half a step back or equal with Japanese one. Is that right? Right. That, yeah. That's correct. All right. So let's step over into your A9 world. Explain that. Sure. So um, Australia typically scores one to nine. I, I say one to nine. R realistically, it's more like three to nine. Um, I guess you always start with one, but all the all the uh, product that I've seen in terms of price list and availability kind of starts at three. So three to nine or one to nine, um, nine being the highest. Um, the uh, AACO brand that we buy on the, on the A9s is only their their nine score plus is the only thing they offer that's full blood, full bred, um, nine nine score plus, full Australian Wagyu. Um, now that's not to say I I've got some six to seven score strips right now that are just unbelievable. You know, and it may be seventy five percent. Wagyu and it may be 25% their domestic beef, um, you know, but typically they're on a one to nine scale, nine being the highest. And, you know, I would put, I had a chart one time that the nine score is on par with a, between a three and a four in the Japanese scale. Um, okay. And just to throw this disclaimer out to everyone, the reason I'm asking this is to clarify it. Let's let's just put it out there. Sure. Folks, A9 briskets is from Kevin and Jordan is what I've been cooking for a couple of years. I I believe in them. I understand how good they come. They come more trimmed than a normal brisket. I have often said that they may be over trimmed. So when you're buying a 16 pound A9 brisket, the muscle structure may be used. Oh, I'm sorry. The muscle structure will probably more be what you're used to of buying an 18 to a 20 pound domestic brisket because you don't have all the fat. Right. And let's just, I'm going to throw this coupon code out there right now. So if we're in the middle of this, we'll see how many people do it. If you call up and tell Kevin, you listen to this, you'll get a free gel pack in your ice chest. Absolutely. Maybe too. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go, maybe too. <laughs> so explain to everyone how they can order this um, Australian brisket and ship to them. Sure. Um, the best the best thing to do is just give us a call, 850-458-8782. Um, we, have, we have an extremely active and interactive Facebook page, The Butcher Shop, and shop is spelled uh, with two P's and an E, S-H-O-P-P-E. Um, you know, I, I probably get 15 to 20 um, questions or requests uh, daily on our Facebook Messenger, on that, that business page Messenger. That's never a problem. Um, call us. You know, coincidentally, it, it's crazy to say that we probably ship to – 85, 90 barbecue cooks last year, and we did that without a um, website. I don't know why. Again, the old dog in me, I just haven't spent the money to, to get a, a website, but it's worked, you know, using the store number and using our Facebook. Once you call once or twice, you're going to have my cell phone number. You're probably going to have my son's cell phone number. So we're pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, but the best thing, just call us at the store or, or send us a message on our Facebook account. And, uh, you know, we'll take down your information and we, you know, we typically ship on Monday and Tuesdays just because of the lead time. Um, but you know, you, you don't have to give us an order, um, well in advance. A lot of people call us Monday morning and we ship it that day. Yeah. And let me reiterate this with what you was just talking about with the lack of web page. I don't see a problem in that. Kevin, you've built your whole business on customer service, chatting, talking, being able to visit with people, getting exactly what they want. A website when you're ordering meat, I think is very impersonal. I think what you got going is wonderful. So I commend you for keeping it the way you got it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. that that's probably uh, the reason we have it. You know, I like that personal touch, and um, let's face it. You know, I think the A9s are a great value. On average, you save four to six pounds of waste on it. So that's, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks you're saving off, off the top. But, um, you know, I still like that personal touch of talking it through, answering questions. And if you're just sending me an order uh, on a web page and we never have that, that interaction – I've missed an opportunity, and I think the customer has too. Oh, I love that. That's right. You're absolutely right. The customer might have missed that opportunity to be able to get with you, say, Christmas and get a prime rib. They don't realize you have everything. They just think you got sure. a comp briskets. Because how are you going to put everything else on a website? That's true. And, you know, they may, they may have questions. I mean, we're here. Our, our role is to be a resource to you guys. The amount of time, money, and effort that you guys put into this sport and this hobby, whatever you want to call it, is immense. And we need to be a resource for that. If we can find ways to save you money, I mean, I'm selling the brisket, so I should want to sell every every 18, 20 I can, but if I can put you in a 14 and save you some money, that's even better because if I sell you one brisket, I hadn't helped you or me. You know, if you if you buy ten or fifteen a year for ten years, now we have a relationship that's mutually beneficial. 
my very first podcast I ever did, I had my son on. He was raised in the meat shop with me. He now runs the restaurant. It is his. We talked about this very thing that I'm fixing to bring up. And I raised him with the old saying of is when is your sale complete? I've said this before and I've asked a lot of people and there is a ton of my own meat cutters would say, Oh, whenever um, they ring it up or when they walk out the door or when they like it, but you can ask him. And my answer to that is when they come back for another one. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what you're doing is you're, you're putting all your ducks in a row to have the customer service for us. If we're going to call you Facebook, you or the customer walking in off the, uh, the front door right there. That's, that's what you've done. Sure. I mean, it's all, it's all service driven. Um, you know, it's a backbone of our, you know, I tell people when we interview them, I say, you know, service is always the most important thing. And we may have the best quality in town, but, but we didn't do anything to earn that. I just chose to offer prime and dry age prime and Australian Wagyu. So if I'm the only option in town for those items, we got the quality by default. We didn't earn that. We didn't do anything for that. Service is where we make our mark, you know. Dude, that is, that's deep. <laughs> that is so true. Anybody can go buy it and sell it. Right. But what you're, you have that, what, what, what you're trying to instill into your own employees, partners, whatever you want to call them, the reason why their customers are coming back to you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about service. I mean, that's, you know, it's first, second, and third, and then we'll get around the fourth after you get service down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You also do a ton of videos. Um, I love watching them. <laughs> <laughs> they're really ad lib. I can see you always got stuff out in front of you. What other means of, of promotions do you do? You know, it, it's a double edged sword. Um, Facebook is by far our um, biggest form of, of marketing. And, and, you know, I love it because it's interactive. I mean, our videos, they, they're one take. Um, if I mess something up, we just roll with it. Um, you know, if we're too polished, we're not believable, but we do, we do some local radio that we've done for probably six, seven years. Um, we do, um, you know, we, we try to be more involved on the, um, you know, we do a lot with the schools in terms of partnering with them. You know, advertising has really changed a lot. And, um, you know, we, we try to be involved in the barbecue community in terms of, you know, helping out this event or, you know, doing Sterling's guinea pig or the Smithfield Cup, things like that. But for the old school traditional that you and I grew up with, um, Facebook is by far where we spend the bulk of our money. Um, you know, we do Facebook ads. Um, but it, it, it's funny, even with that, I had a discussion with a guy yesterday on it. Our reach organically dwarfs our paid reach 
And sometimes we'll do a promotion and we can't spend the money we wanted to spend because we get saturation with the organic. But, you know, we, we still do some some local stuff, like I said, radio. Um, we'll do, you know, some newspaper here and there or some TV here and there. But honestly, every time we do it, I look at the spend relative to Facebook, I, I scratch my head and I say, oh, we're not doing that again. Um, yeah, your ROI is just so easy with Facebook. It is. And it's interactive. You know, the customers can interact with us. They're engaged. They're sharing it with their friends. Um, you know, and, and the key to it is not to take yourself too serious. You know, we want to educate people. Um, you know, we want to share our knowledge. And then we want them to make the decision. You know, I talk about when we interview people, I mean, think about it. If somebody comes in my store looking for a ribeye steak, they probably have 10 or 11 options. They have boneless or bone-in choy, high choice, boneless or bone-in prime, boneless or bone-in wagyu, boneless or bone-in um, dry-age prime. So our 17-year-old clerk has to explain what all of those are, what the price points are, and then step back and let the customer decide. You know, you can't just try to push, well, what's the best? Well, you know, that's up to you. You know, yeah. obviously the most expensive one's the best, but, you know, and we have people that hit all of those tiers, you know, in a year. You know, they're, they're, they're buying for, they're having the neighbors over and they're buying the high choice. And then, you know, it's just the husband and the son and he buys prime. And then it's Valentine's Day and it's, they're going to stay at home instead of fight the crowd and he and his wife are buying Wagyu. You know, so you got to be able to tell them what it all is, but then let the customer decide. You know, and that's what we try to do with those videos is a little education, um, share some knowledge, and then have a little fun. You know, we don't, we don't take ourselves too serious. So you don't have Jordan out there in a sandwich board standing on the street corner, um, flipping a sign back and forth? No, but he did He did wear a cow suit a couple weeks ago for a video. <laughs> and that was, that was on his own accord. And I, I tell you, um, he, he's, busy, he's busy running the shop right now. But I tell you, he is, and anybody that's bought from us for competition knows this, he is the backbone of our competition business. He's the guy with the knowledge. He's the guy um, that handpicks 95% of the orders. And, you know, at Christmas, he probably, he himself probably cut 650 rib roasts um, wow. the, two, the two days leading up to Christmas. So I get a lot of credit for the business, uh, but he's truly the backbone of our business. So he's a second-generation meat man. He is. He's a second gen and you know, I gotta share a funny story with you and this will um this will scare you to death because when I share it it still scares me. Um he he's the expert and, and I kinda get by. When I decided to buy this business, um, like I said, I had twenty five years in the business but none on the meat side. And um there was a guy that, that had worked in the store I was buying um, and he was a 20-year market manager with, you know, Walmart and Winn-Dixie and, you know, all this stuff. So I was hiring him, and he was going to run the, the the meat department, and I was going to run the business. I was going to be the initial cashier and 
till we grew the business and hired people and I was going to do the marketing and I was going to do the ordering and all that. And the day we're going to the closing, my wife and I, um, to buy the business, he calls me and he says, Hey, I got a, a problem. Um, some things changed and I got to move back home to Georgia. So in two weeks I'm going to be leaving and I really can only work a couple hours a day till I leave. I've got some things I got to take care of. Ouch. So I said, okay. So I hang up the phone and my wife says, everything okay? I said, uh, yeah. Well, what was that about? <laughs> I tell her. So our, our company is myself and this gentleman. And I've never cut a piece of meat in my life. <laughs> and I'm going to sign to buy this building lock, stock, and barrel. Um, and she said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, um, you know, we hired a couple guys that had some experience. And after about six months, I said, this isn't going to work. I need to get back there and I need to really understand what's going on. And, you know, I need to learn to cut meat and I need to learn what's going on. And it was the best thing that ever happened. Fortunately, I had a son who had some interest and, you know, at 15 years old, he was, it was he and I, you know, he worked summers and he worked weekends and every Christmas he was my number two at, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, yeah. So it worked out, but man, it was scary that day. I'll never forget. <laughs> that is, that is a great story. It makes you think right before you write your name down, is this the right thing? Oh, how, how I convinced my wife to go through with that, I'll never know. It's got to be true love, bud. True love. <laughs> hey, I thought of this when you were sitting there talking and you were saying all the different styles or grades of ribeyes. When I did a lot of retail, the big thing around here was um, your variety count. Um, sure. We always had to have 120, 130 different varieties in the counter. Do y'all ever stop and count that? You know, we don't. We probably should, uh, but we really, we, we don't. You know, we're so far removed from, you know, a corporate environment. And I, I, I use this, this example all the time. We take inventory, physical inventory, once a year, and we do it at the end of the year for our taxes. So we have a number to post ending inventory. And sometimes, you know, whether it was, you know, an SBA lender or a friend of mine that operates a business, they'd say, Kevin, that's crazy. I mean, how do you know? I said, look, I'm in the store six days a week for 12 hours a day. If I don't know what I have in inventory based on the cooler and the bank account, I need to do something else, you know. So um, our big thing is variety. Now, we don't count the SKUs, but... You know, that's the hardest thing for the number three or the number four guy. Um, you know, it's Wednesday and, you know, it's not nearly as busy as it's going to be on Friday or Saturday. You know, I don't want to overcut. And we tell them all the time, keep the variety. If we carry it, it needs to be out there, you know. Now, you don't yeah. have to cut two boxes of it, but if we carry that item – it needs to be out there, whether it's Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, or Saturday going into the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, it may not need to be three high and a pan in the back, right. but it's got to have something. Right. 
Yeah. It's got to have a representation. If we carry it, if we stock it, it needs to be out there every day. Yeah. Okay. For the butcher shop, what are your big plans, say, for the next six months or a year? What do you got going? Well, there is, um, you know, our biggest challenge is parking um, and and just capacity at peak times. We, we were... We were pretty, like I said, Jordan cut 600, 650 prime ribs in two days. So you just think of the volume of those loins in the cooler. Um, you know, I never thought that we would be getting, um, you know, our new location, we've been there. Memorial Day will be three years. And when we built it, I thought that the cooler and the freezer would never get close to being full, but... You know, with some of the growth of the retail and some of the growth of the shipping, um, you know, we're starting to look at, um, you know, whether it be outside storage or what have you. And as fate would have it, next to me is a um, uh, is a uh, uh, animal hospital who's moving. So we are now doing the research. No, wait a wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is this is a classic for me already. It is. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, there's a vet next to the butcher shop. <laughs> okay, I don't need to go there. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so so that that business is for sale. That building and that parking lot is for sale, and we're crunching the numbers now. Um, I don't know if my wife will listen to this podcast, but uh, if she does, she won't, she won't like this conversation. But I'm I just working remember, through 52 that minutes now. in distractor. Yeah, but but we may we may buy that building for um, nothing more than a walk-in cooler, a walk-in freezer for ice packs, and um, you know additional parking. Um, and you know, outside of that, you know, we just look for you know similar growth to what we had this past year, both at retail and barbecue and, you know, just, just see what we can do to, to grow the business through our normal channels. Well, that's awesome. And I'm getting close to what I always do with all of our, um, podcast, uh, guest. Sure. You know, I've got a lot of injections and injection needles back here. I always inject y'all with a podcast truth serum. I'm going to ask okay. you a question, and since you've been injected, you have to answer it honestly. All right? No problem. No okay. problem. What's your favorite brand of a knife? Uh, Victor Knox. Okay. Which, what's your go-to knife? What's your favorite go-to knife that you use? Um, you know, I, I've got, um, I've got a scimitar that I really like for cutting primals. Um, but, but I'm kind of old school. Um, you know, I, I like a regular Victory Knox Flex, um, filet knife. That's kind of, you know, what I cut most of the things with. Um, six inch, five inch? Uh, six inch. I'm a six inch semi stiff curve. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. It's a nice hot July day. Um, you're grilling burgers. Are you a mayo, a mustard, or a ketchup person? You know, I like them all on there. I definitely like mayo on the bun, but I, I want to have that ketchup. Um, 
and mustard on the patty. All right. Well, here's one. I want you to listen through it and study it. Um, are you a sock, sock, shoe, shoe person or a sock, shoe, sock, shoe person? Uh, Just trying to get your customers to get to know you. Right. I'm probably a sock, sock, shoe guy um, at work. I mean, you know, I'm a big flip-flop guy outside of work, but, but I'm probably a sock, sock, shoe. Oh, that's good. All right. I'd say your kidneys have cleaned you out, and that's enough questions. Um, tell everyone how they can get a hold of you, where you're located, everything kevin tell us what we what we as barbecuers can do and your local um clients where they can find you sure we're um we're in pensacola florida 2405 langley avenue for the local guys um the northwest tip of florida and the best way to get a hold of us 850-458-8782 or on our facebook page um butcher shop and shop is spelled s-h-o-p-p-e um you know we'd love to help you any way we can you know i'd be remiss if i didn't didn't mention this david um you know we've been very very fortunate both at retail and on the barbecue side and uh, we we've had you know anybody that you could imagine um call the store on on barbecue and but i gotta say the day that you called you you were the only guy in the years we've been doing it, that truly made me a little nervous because I told my son, look, this guy knows more than we do. We cannot mess up. This, oh this guy, <laughs> um, and it was, it was a dream to come true to have somebody like you call our store and, and, and ask about, you know, brisket and, and barbecue product. And it's been, um, been a highlight for me for sure. Um, well, to, to develop this relationship. I am totally honored. I want you to know that I'm honored that you guys feel that way. And I want everyone to know I get nothing special. They handpick mine. They handpick yours. I've sent friends down that way here from Oklahoma, from Texas. Not going to mention them. That's for up to them to mention if they <laughs> want to bring it up. But I know you're getting their business. And I want everyone to know this has been my go-to brisket company right here. And I am actually fixing to order some ribs from them. And I want to start trying some of their specific ribs that they have for barbecue. So... I'm fixing to go all in with them. Well, David, so. it's been a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for, for having me on here, but it's been it's been a pleasure to have you as a customer and more importantly as a friend. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I consider myself very lucky. Kevin, we appreciate you, and you are a friend of the Butcher Barbecue Company, David Bosca himself, and Butcher Barbecue. So, everybody... Like those buttons, push them, shove them, do whatever you want to do, subscribe, whatever they talk about. But I just want to say thanks, everybody. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.